Hello and welcome to the New Moon Tarot reading for the new moon that fell on Saturday the 4th of December at 7.43am UK time. Um, It's interesting, I have between doing the last new moon and this new moon moved house and please do excuse me for the occasional tick 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 of the central heating, it is getting a little bit chilly out there. Well, it is for us Brits. I know that some of you who live further north um, really know what the cold is like. But yes, it's it's interesting. Perhaps also the slightly emptier feeling around, um, well, around coming into this reading has also got to do with the lunar eclipse that took place yesterday as well. So I am going to go straight into the reading now. Um, for those of you who want to skip the beginning explanation, I will put in a timestamp so that you can go to card number one. So if there is a timestamp that's available on the medium in which, you're, in which you're listening to this or watching this, then um, use that now if you don't want to go through the introduction. But for those of you who do want to go through the introduction and those of you who are new to the new moon reading, welcome. It's good to have you on board with us. The way that I do this reading is that it is nearly always a three card reading. There will sometimes be an extra card at the end. Very often I'll get a feeling that that is going to happen before I've before I've actually um, picked the cards this time. I'm not sure, probably not. And um, and they always have the same positions to the to each of the cards. So card number one is foundational. It's the foundation card to the reading. In other words, it builds the framework on which the theme, which is card number two, takes place. So the foundation may be large or small, but it will connect with the theme in a very, very meaningful way. Now, given the fact that it's a foundational card bringing us into the reading, it means that it has already happened or is in the process of happening, but it will have started already and in some way will be waning and making way for then the main theme, which is card number two. Now, the main theme, again, like the foundational card, may not be the be-all and end-all theme of the month. In other words, it may not take up a whole lot of time and space in your schedule or in your mind, but it will be significant. So if it does take up a lot of space, obviously the significance will be immediate and sort of more greatly felt. But for those ones where the theme is more subtle, it may be that its significance is borne out um, in the coming months and perhaps even in the coming years. I know that people want immediate feedback um, a lot of the time with tarot, that time frames are sometimes, um, they're not as as welcomed with open arms when when we're working in time frames of months and years. Rather, people would prefer time frames of um, hours, days and weeks. But but actually, um, time frames are kind of um, irrelevant, really, because whatever it is that's happening is starting to happen now, this month. And um, and we only really look back with 2020 vision. And and so um, so we may we may want the full fruition of a card as soon as possible. But actually, the living out of it is the adventure itself. And in fact, um, the experience is always different from what we anticipated anyway. So any kind of um, desire that we have attached to the way that we want the card to play out kind of pales into insignificance 
the more that that um, that card actually unfolds for each of us. So the coming month's theme is going to be card number two, and that theme will be prevalent in some large or small way, some subtle or gross way in the next month, but will play out and beyond forever. And then the final card is the agency card or the tool card. And this is the card where um, if you're feeling a little bit helpless about what is going on, um, if you are feeling like events are bigger or feel bigger or are overwhelming, or that perhaps even they're underwhelming, um, that, that in some way this card points you to a place where you can lever what is going on. Not, um, not in a controlling way, but rather in a way that allows you to um, connect with what it is that's happening in a way that is personal and more meaningful. And, um, and when we connect, we participate, and when we participate, we are able to absorb something much more than just simply having it fed to us. So the participation itself is the ingesting of something so that it becomes um, part of you rather than something that happens to you. So those are the three cards, the positions, the foundation, the theme, and the agency card. And I am going to turn over the foundation card now. Remember, this has already happened or is in the process of happening and is paving the way for the second card. So here's the first card. And that is the Two of Cups. And that is love in this deck. Now, the Two of Cups actually doesn't come up that often. There are some cards that come up with unfailing frequency and, and very often we'll have themes of cards coming up. But the Two of Cups is, is one that really doesn't come up um, as much as some others. And what I'm going to do is um, I am going to get the book that accompanies this because something is prompting me to just read out the, the very short description that accompanies all of the minor arcana cards and then um, take it from there. So the very, very short description that is um, in the accompanying Rurig deck um, handbook or manual, what do they call it, the little white book, but it isn't particularly little and it's not white on the outside, is the Two of Cups' Encounter with Love, Harmonious Partnership. So Encounter with Love, Harmonious Partnership. Now remember, this is foundational. This is something that has already happened or it is in the process of um, sort of, it's either already happened or it is happening, but it isn't something that is going to happen. So, um, so it's building the framework. Now, given the fact that it's the framework, it could be something that is relatively recently constructed, or it could be something in terms of something that's already happened that happened a long time ago. It does. It's. It's really the card isn't as foundational. It's not prescriptive in terms of time way back when. Um, so, but it. But in some way, is the framework for the theme. So love, and that idea of um, of relationship, is the framework for this month's theme. And as I said, this could have been a long time coming. So let's break the Two of Cups down into its various meanings. Of course, if you are 
a romantic at heart, or if you are looking for a relationship, then the Two of Cups is the card that, that many, many people will want to see. They may also want to see the lovers, but the Two of Cups is, is really that idea of hearts meeting um, that is that is more straightforward in some ways than the lovers, which has multiple meanings, very layered meanings, and also different meanings depending on which deck you are working with. But the Two of Cups is that point where the Ace... So the, remember, the ace is, it doesn't exist here, it's non-incarnate. It is love in all of its forms, but of course, as well, it is um, agape love. Um, it is the love that the creator has for his creation. That is then brought down and becomes binary. So there is the love of the other. So first of all, it's the love of... Um, of creation with its, cre you know, with, with what it is, the creator with creation, which is one and the same. But then it is, there is that one remove, and then you are looking into a mirror of the other person. So it is at its most simple, the exchange of love between two people. Now, that can be incredibly romantic. And this card is very romantic at first glance. It is um, it is seemingly two figures intertwined. Um, it's a very it's a very um, unlike the six of cups, which is quite sexual in this deck. This is a very chaste kind of love. Remember, it's not so far gone from the ace of cups. It is love. Physical love will be part of it, but actually, it's more of the emotional, heart based love. And, um, and it is about connecting through one's heart with um, either someone else or something else that reflects a more full picture of what love is. And this is where the Two of Cups then becomes more slightly more complex in terms of its interpretation. So at its most, most simple, it is falling in love or loving someone else. That can be a new relationship. It can be an existing relationship. Um, it is probably not to do with anything other than the love between two adults or two, you know, or two peers. In other words, the Two of Cups isn't really the love that you have for your children or the love that you have for your parents or love that you have for your siblings or family or colleagues. Um, but rather it is the love that you have for um, a partner, whether that partner is um, a, mo a more obvious form of partner or whether that partner is partner sort of symbolically in as much as they are reflecting something back to you. And um, so, so it is romantic love, but it's also what romantic love is really um, what is behind romantic love. So romantic love doesn't last, or it rarely lasts. And I know that I am being a party pooper of note with this. And anyone who's stuck around with my readings long enough will know that there is always a caveat and always a but when it comes to um, something that, that, that seems to be straightforward. But that's just the way that things are, uh, for me anyway, at least and the way that I see things. So romantic love is wonderful, but 
in order for it to have legs, in other words, in order for it to outlast the um, first flushes of lust or, you know, hormonal rushes or that um, deep excitement and that incredible bonding that can happen when you meet somebody, there has to be something that is taken and owned by you know, each person or at least one person in that encounter for themselves. Uh, and, that, and that is not to ruin the romance of the moment, because I think that that falling in love phase is, is it is just delicious. But, but it also, it, it's, it doesn't last. And, and I'm not sure that it would be that wonderful if it did last. It's, it's exhausting, um, that, that first flush of, of love. And so, what happens then is that we then get to contend with what it is that the other person is showing up for us, what it is that we are falling in love with. Because that first rush of love is normally about the mirror that they're holding up rather than the person themselves. And if you look at the um, picture more carefully, there really is, I mean, there is another person, but there isn't another person if you look at it, they're almost melded together as if they're one. And and there are three hands on the back of the person whose back is to us, um, as if there is a kind of confusion about who's who and what's what. And that is the kind of delightful confusion at its very best that happens when we fall in love, is that we are, you know, boundaries dissolve and we can, we can meld or fuse with, with each other. And, um, and then, and that is that moment of alchemical magic that we then take and it and it's transformed as the relationship goes on. So it's the basis for something that then becomes more real, whether that becomes more real when projection, projections are withdrawn and we realize that the person that we were in love with really has absolutely no compatibility with us at all or very little or underneath that projection there is something there that is um, more sinister or or less able to be um, to to love something not lovable Um, or whether it is that a different kind of love comes through one that is more um, more mature or one that where both people become interdependent rather than codependent because the the falling in love part that that real sort of you know way slam dunk falling in love is really um at its at its best a benign form of codependence and then it's about reaching that level of interdependence where love transforms and and so the foundation to this is that 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 meeting that melding that dissolving that warmth. I mean, look at the figures, they glow. There is just something quite ethereal and otherworldly and the colours are beautiful and warm. It's that beating heart that's at the centre of things. And, um, And that's just wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to have as a foundation. There is something in your experience of connecting with another person that has in some way been seminal to to who and how you are now 
Um, it may be something that is recent, and so you are very much still in the afterglow of this, or it's something that you can relate to from more of a distance where you've had that sense of melding and merging and warmth and that reciprocity that then um, you can look back on through this card and remember in, a, in a quite a visceral way. But whether it is from further back in your life or whether it is more recent, um, what it is saying is that it is, um, it is forming the framework for something that is emerging and will be emerging in this month and then will have that impact beyond. Whatever your experience is of the Two of Cups, um, it is going to be developed in some way moving forward. And, and that may, so there is no, um, there is no right or wrong about the two of cups, how you experience it, whether that, that melding, you know, went from codependence to interdependence or whether it went from codependence into something that was more codependent or where the projections fell away. And actually there was a stranger facing you or the projections fell away and there was somebody there who you could, you know, you could look at and say, the love has changed, but it is still there. Whatever the nature of the relationship, whether it was short-lived, whether it was long-lasting, um, whether it, um, you know, whether it it changed form relatively quickly, whatever it is for you, whatever the Two of Cups is for you, is going to play a vital role in what is coming up. And what is coming up this month in terms of the weather, the theme is the Knight of Wands. Now, what I immediately see here with these two cards is the colours are very much the same. There is, they are red, they are glowing, that, that sort of diffused um, glowing light in the Two of Cups is there in the background in the Knight of Wands. And what I also notice um, when I look at this is that the figure whose back is to us with the head angled, sort of resting in on uh, this other sort of disembodied person in the Two of Cups is very much taking on the, in some way, the aspect of the Knight of Wands himself, except the Knight of Wands has very much then solidified. So it's as if this, um, this very dreamy, dreamlike, watery, cups-like quality of falling in love, fluidity flowing into each other, suddenly takes this very concrete form in terms of the Knight of Wands. And, um, and the edges become more apparent. The, the glow disappears or is in the background. This, it's almost as if a figure, a definite figure, is emerging from that glow. And this is the Knight of Wands. So the Knight of Wands in this deck is the King of Wands, um, a very fiery figure, the mature masculine or yang aspect of fire. So he is, um, he is, uh, could be in terms of rising sign or sun sign, perhaps even moon sign, but probably rising or, um, or sun is going to be, um, either going to be Aries or Leo or Sagittarius. And he may be a she, but a more yang version, um, 
and he or she may not be an external person, but may actually be the person looking back at you in the mirror. So you could be the Knight of Wands. The writing that I can see at the moment and on the front of the card is fire, energy, and dynamic action. So the Knight of Wands almost takes that very watery feeling and is able to craft it into something that is dynamically active. Um, In terms of the way that this experience may play out, it could be that um, the whatever experience that you had, um, whether it was recent or further back in the Two of Cups, um, takes the shape of the other person being very um, directed and um, energetic, and there is dynamic action. So from this watery, fluid place, then there is a trajectory that is um, forged that is quite um, single-minded in in its direction and focus. If you look at the Knight of Wands, he is single-minded, and I, I I love that fist that he has up to his head. It's um, it's it just embodies a sense of dynamism and energy and strength and force, but without violence. He he is sitting there and he is looking directly at us, directly at you. And he is sort of, I would say, almost at rest or at peace, but everything is in that fist of his, everything. So if you actually move, if I if I cover the fist with my hand and have a look at him, he's actually got a very um, relaxed demeanor to him. He's got very strong bone structure um, and hooded eyes, eyelids, So, but he's looking straight at, so there is a focus there. But then that that strength in that fist. So in other words, there is that potential for really powerful action, one way or the other. However, that's demonstrated. It's um, it is incredibly decisive, determined, and it um, it holds in it a whole lot of energy. How this plays out? Well, there could be many different ways. So I'm just going to um, riff on some of the ways that this may play out. It may be an instant recognition of somebody who um, who taps you back into that sense of the two of cups and that somebody is as focused on you as you are on them. It could be a re-energizing of an existing relationship. It could be the um, the fanning the flames of a relationship that um, that has that has been somewhere in the past. It could be that the Two of Cups allows you to contact that aspect of yourself that is much more go-getting. I want you. This is coming from you. You know, looking. I want this. I want that. I want you. I am driven. That kind of. Um, very yang energy that is fiery, that goes out and gets things done. But because it's the knight, which is the king, it is mature enough not to destroy everything in its wake or to send itself up in flames. So um, if we were dealing with the prince of wands, for example, or the princess of wands, it may be that the um, that there is a sense of um, immaturity or not enough maturity to 
to use the flames to temper something. Um, rather, it would just be about temper. It, it could be, it could be um, you know, rather destructive or it could end up sort of being ouch a little bit, either for you or for somebody else. But the knight is, I mean, if you look at him, he is, and this word comes up a lot in my readings, considered. He is considered and he knows what those flames do. And the reason why he knows what those flames do is that he has been burnt many times. You don't get to be a knight, king, without having understood what it is that fire can do, whether you are um, giving it out or whether you are on the receiving end of it. And so what's really interesting for me when I look at the Knight of Wands is that white space between the profile of his face and his fist and that, um, and that black and white checkered floor. So you've got that white space, which is that, um, that sense of muted, not muted, but calm containment that is then contained itself by the body of the Knight of Wands. I love that black and white floor, which is in stark contrast to the reds and golds and oranges and his red hair. There is, um, along with the conflagration in the background and then these different gradations of things, there is a sense of order. There is um, a sense of things lining up, even though the floor and the background, you know, that it's not, it's, it's undulating, it's not rigid. Um, but there is also that idea of yin and yang. So the Knight of Wands is able to embody that. But make no mistake, he is, he is a fiery, fiery character. Um, it is only his maturity and what he's been through that will allow him to be able to um, be in those flames without being consumed or be in those flames without throwing them out and consuming others. So remember that this might be an aspect of you. It might be an aspect of somebody coming to you or coming back to you, or it could be both. Um, there is um, there is something here about a rejuvenation of one's deep, passionate creativity. Use creativity as broadly as you want in terms of definition that has um, at its roots a connection through the heart with someone else. And again, it's romantic. It is not a connection with, um, with a sibling or a child or whatever, or a family member, a colleague. It is um, that romantic connection where you are just looking into each other's eyes and suddenly you are dissolving into each other. So that has brought you to the Knight of Wands. As I said, whether it is in someone else, coming to you, in yourself, or both. It's also interesting, I'm just thinking about it now. Uh, Knight of Wands could be Sagittarius. We are... Um, are we in Sagittarius? We are. We are in Sagittarius. So it very much is the, um, the card of the month. And, um, and so it could also be speaking about the kind of experience that you're having now um, that is very Knight of Wands-y, um, to, for want of a better phrase, and I'm sure there are many better phrases than that. But, but, there, is, um, but there is something really fiery, but, but also contained. There's a bit, bit of a pressure cooker kind of feel about this, but again, in a good way, um, where something can get done, something can 
something can um, be made. There is, um, it is, it is creative in in how it plays out. So we have then the Two of Cups and the Knight of Wands, one minor arcana, one um, court card in the minors, and then the agency card. It'll be interesting to see what this is. So, and we have um, another Wands card, and that is the Seven of Wands, which is Valor in this deck. So, very simply, it is about taking a leap of faith. Valor is a leap of faith that you'd make on your own. It doesn't mean that there aren't other people with you. It's just that nobody else is going to be making this leap um, but you. you. The leap of faith is for you. There may be um, people who are involved in this, but um, you can't rely on anyone to be there by your side when you jump from one cliff to the other. And not because they're not reliable, but because this is your journey and not theirs. They may be doing their own leap of faith as well. It's not, re it's not really about them. If you look, it's a single figure jumping over a ravine with seven wands at the bottom. And it is about valor, it is courage, it's bravery, it is about not staying where you are, it is about moving forward. You may not know where you're going, and that's why it's called valor. Because if you have gone and done all of the risk assessments, and you've gone and done all of the box ticking episodes, and you've checked out everything, and, and then, then that's, not, that's not valor. Valor is in some way jumping to the unknown. It's not about jumping into the abyss. That figure is going to reach the other side. It's not about falling into something, but it is definitely about um, knowing that you don't know everything, and yet there is still that, that urge, that creative urge to do that, to risk that, to, to risk striking out into new territory, because that's really what the Seven of Wands is. It's about, um, it's about reaching new territory. It is about having um, the courage to be able to question the things that you always do just because you've always done them. Why would you want to stay on that side of the cliff when you know what's there? when there is something at the other side that is calling you forward, or there is something rather in you that is calling you to jump to the other side. And it is not going to be, um, it's, there are no guarantees, it's not going to make you any promises, it's not necessarily going to be safe. Um, now when I say this, I have to put a huge caveat here, that this is not about taking stupid risks. The Knight of Wands, as I said, you know, you talk. I mean, I was talking about that and saying that the um, the page or the the prince and the princess they are the ones who may actually make the the stupid mistakes. And in fact, they are they are kind of implied in the Knight of Wands, as I'd said. That, uh, that you know all about stupid mistakes. You know that because you've done that. And, and so this is not about being reckless 
and doing things that are going to um, in some way upset the equilibrium that is there and implied again in the Two of Cups. This is about reaching a point, and it's a specific point, where um, it just makes more sense for you to make that leap. It's not about picking any cliff and jumping off it, but there is going to be one cliff that's in your life that has been prepared unknowingly by you to be the perfect leaping point to go somewhere else, to make a bit of a leap into the unknown. So in some ways it's a calculated risk in as much as there is one route that's brought you here and it's brought you to this one specific place. There are many cliffs available, and the, but this is the one. This is the one that is ripe for the leaping, if you see what I mean. So, and it will be connected to the Two of Cups and the Knight of Wands. Um, and in some way, the Two of Cups and the Knight of Wands will be the propellant that allows you to be born over the abyss and over onto the other side. I thought I'd just look up the Seven of Wands in my Rurig book and see what is there in terms of the explanation or the um, interpretation. And, well, it's only marginally longer than the Two of Cups, but I think it's worth saying. So it is struggling against resistance. Courage, bravery, and readiness to take risks will be rewarded. Struggling against resistance, courage, bravery, and readiness to take risks will be rewarded. So the thing about resistance, it's very, very clearly um, depicted in the Waitsmith version of this deck. So in the Waitsmith version of this deck, there is a man who is standing on a cliff top, again, another cliff top, and there are ones coming up from underneath, and it's similar to this, the rowing, it almost feels like it's based on that. Um, and he is fighting these ones that are coming up. And there is that idea of resistance. Now, the thing about this is that at first glance, it looks like he should be he should um, be resisting and then prevailing and then those ones should sink back down. And actually, I'm not entirely sure that that's correct. Sevens are spiritual cards. In other words, they are to do with the psyche and they are to do with meaning and one's personal meaning and one's personal path, but in a very, very deep way. So it is about the soul expression that you are working with in this life. And resistance will be to do with the psychological resistance around a particular thing. And here, it is the resistance to love in one form or another. It is either the resistance to how you um, experience love for yourself or with another. And when I say for yourself through another person, in other words. It's the blocks that we put up in relationships um, to love. And, and I'm talking here about intimate relationships. Again, going back to the Two of Cups. Where is it that we are resistant? And there is, in the Seven of Wands, that battle to keep something down. And actually... The reality is that it's um, a battle that keeps that 
that man in that card in the same place. As long as he's resisting, he has to stay where he is because if he walks away, those wands are then going to come up. And there is that idea then of those, they are going to emerge into consciousness. Um, Wands are energy, they're creative energy. So what he's doing is he's actually tamping energy down. And the reason why he's doing that is that that energy is being used to block something else from coming into awareness. And part of that in this reading will be the block that is there that is um, in some way causing, causing you to be defended in some way in terms of the two of cups. Um, what is it about the two of cups that causes resistance? Um, and each story will be as individual and unique as each of you who is listening, in the same way that my own story will be unique to me. And there may be crossover, and, and if we were all somehow able to share, I'm sure that there would be people who go, yes, me too. But actually, our stories are unique to us. And so there is something about the seven of wands that is asking that there is a release from the grip of having to keep something at bay and control it. Because, because actually the controlling of it is the thing that is time-consuming energy sapping and actually stops you from loving and this may be another person or it could be yourself or as I said it could be both. Now I look at the seven of wands again and what I see is in German but it's absolutely clear what it is in English as well which is keine Kompromisse, um, no compromise. In other words there is no, you're all in or you're all out. There is no, you can't just sort of halfway go there because then you end up in the abyss. It is jumping with both feet and making that leap. Now there's something to be said about that leap as well, which is, which is that those of you who are waiting for clarity to make the leap, in other words, you need to be sure that you know what you're doing before you do it. In other words, the resistance needs to have been dissolved in some way, or there needs to have been a certain amount of insight in order to undo that resistance. That is the compromise. Um, there is there is the idea of the compromise being um, sometimes that we say to ourselves, I will, I will be prepared to fall in love once I've, once I've dealt with all of my shit. I will be able to move on in relationship um, when I am able to deal with the thing that blocked me from love. Once I have sorted out my childhood demons, then I can make that leap. Once I have put to rest and being able to iron out all of the issues that I've had in relationships um, up to now, including and especially the encounters that seem to repeat time and time again, or the, the situations that repeat. Once I'm able to have dealt with all of those and nothing repeats, then I can make that leap. You know, so we start putting conditions on that. 
And that's really not how life works, because the work is never over. We will always repeat various things. Um, There are some things that we won't repeat, and there are some things that we'll repeat a few times. There's some things that we'll repeat many times until we learn it. And then there are just simply some things that are who we are. They are our makeup. That is who we are. And and, t- and if we stand on that side of the cliff and go, I'm not going to jump until I've sorted everything out, until I feel that I've done all of my work, that is the thing that's actually stopping you from jumping. That, that aim for perfection, that idea that it, there is a point where you, there are winning posts and once you've passed those, then, then anything is possible that um, in some way you have to reach a certain level of, um, of being adept at something or even a certain level of perfection in order to do this, that will keep you on that side of the cliff. What doesn't keep you on that side of the cliff, what allows you to leap is your faith. No, I'm going to take that back. That's not it. I'm already taking a step too far. What allows you to leap is is the fact that you are able to accept that you are not perfect and that the choices you make may not be perfect um, and yet still you are called forward by something in you. And that is valor, no compromise. Um, and and that is that's that's what the leap is about is that um, phrase feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And the fear is there because the fear is saying, um, what if I do the same thing that I did last time? Or what if my heart is broken the way that it was? What if I'm hurt? What if I hurt somebody? What if something does happen? What if something doesn't happen? What if I don't meet what I want to meet on the other side? No compromise. It's about jumping. No conditions attached. Um, it will probably not be what you're expecting. It rarely is what you're expecting. Is it ever what we're expecting? Does anything ever turn out how we're expecting? Um, If it does, does it last? It is the leaping itself that is the point. It's not what's on the other side. The seven of wands doesn't show what's on the other side. It is the leap. So it is about making that jump from one thing to another and not having to make a deal with the universe to protect you in the course of doing that. And again, I will go back to the caveat that you are the knight of wands. The knight of wands doesn't jump across any ravine. It's not about risking your life or risking your sanity or risking your emotional and psychological well-being. This is a specifically designed cliff for you on this specific journey and this specific path that is there for you to decide whether you want to jump or not. And if you do, the Knight of Wands is by far the best, the best energy to embody to be able to do that. 
I very much think the Knight of Wands is a part of you and may well be somebody else. But if it is somebody else and he's standing on the other side of the cliff and you are not identifying with the Knight of Wands at all, you just want to be with the Knight of Wands because, and so you need to make that leap, then, then by all means do that. But the experience on the other side, like every other experience that we, you know, we hope we're going to have is going to be different because the Knight of Wands also has to be embodied by you. That feels very clear. The Two of Cups is this indistinct, you know, um, sort of mix of, of limbs and hair. And so the Knight of Wands is a part of you, not simply outside if you have fallen in love with the Knight of Wands, or if the Knight comes up on his, you know, white or black horse, and you absolutely just fall head over heels with them, remember that what you're doing is you're doing the Two of Cups, is that you are falling head over heels with them, but also with yourself in the process. Valor is a one-person job. It is for you and you alone. Um, there is one person crossing that abyss. If you are holding hands and jumping together, that's fine, but symbolically you will both be jumping across your own abysses, not the same one. There is no compromise. You cannot bargain with what's going to happen and say, I will only jump if this does. But in some way, your life has been leading up to this particular point. And so it is that point where no compromise might actually feel like the next best step. In other words, you won't have to make a giant leap in your mind in order to make the leap. It's, it's already been formulating behind the scenes. And the no compromise thing will feel like a no-brainer at that point where you, where you make the leap. And it may just be that um, it's a no-brainer now, but several months ago, several years ago, whenever, even a few days ago, and it just depends on how things are for you, that may may have felt too much. It may have felt like a, a, a leap too far. But somehow, imminently, um, whether days, weeks, a couple of months maybe at the most, it will not be too far a leap. It is doable. I mean, look at the figure there. Their leg span, as stretched out as far as they can, would almost be able to bridge it themselves. It looks, um, it looks more treacherous than it is, but it will take you and them into different territory. And the implication is that it's going to take you into something different. In other words, that you've not experienced before. It may seem similar. There may be elements that are similar, um, but, but actually there will be something that's different about it as well. Whether that's good or bad, this the reading is never about judgment, unless the judgment card comes up. It's not about that. The cards don't say, really, don't do this, this is good, or, or, or I mean, don't do this, this is bad, or actually, don't do this, this is good. Sometimes we stop ourselves from doing things that are good. Um, the, the cards don't really do that. The soul does not take us on a comfortable route. It doesn't do that. We cannot bargain with the soul about saying, I want my soul's journey as long as I don't get hurt. I want my soul's journey as long as the path is smooth 
and that I um, that I encounter only good things. The soul is not interested in that. My own experience with the soul's path is that it takes you into encounters that are um, life-changing and not always pleasant. In fact, they can be deeply unpleasant. They can be learning experiences that are learnt through fire rather than through water. And there we've got the Knight of Wands as well. He has learnt through fire too. But it is nothing that you cannot take. There is, it may feel like you can't, but if you're listening to this, you can and you have. But the soul is not interested in a comfortable ride. What it is interested in is growth and moving forward. And it is interested in you. And so this is about listening in and connecting with something and feeling that connection that you have had in the past, whether recently or way back or somewhere between those two times. And the Knight of Wands is key in this. He will appear in some shape or form in the next month. And then what adventures you'll go on. Take very good care and thank you for listening. Thank you.